Got some new-ish iPhone 13 talk. Mm. Well, some of it we have uh, we have seen previously. There's a couple new little tidbits. I would call them tidbits. They're the definition of tidbits. Okay. In this particular article, because they're not like big developments, but it's they're tid. Yeah, I don't know. There's one that that kind of stood out to me that I'll get to here. So, always on display has been rumored previously ever since Apple switched to the OLED display. People wondering, okay, uh, where's the always on? Uh-huh. Are you a big always on guy? Big fan. Oh. Holy moly. Oh. You're a big always on guy. I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I don't care that much. You don't care that much? I don't care that much. Always pressing that button? It's a lot of button pressing, but no, certainly it's useful. I'm just saying as far as that kind of killer feature, it's all right. Okay. It's yeah. always on is okay. Okay. I'll take it. All right. The one I actually like more is the 120 hertz refresh. Yes. That's the thing that had been rumored for the previous model. Was it going to make it in time? It didn't make it in time. Okay, next time. Mm-hmm. That's how that chat is going. iPhone 13, got to get the 120 hertz refresh. Or even better, one of the dynamic situations like the brand new S21 Ultra, which actually appears to be really good at figuring out when to enable the high refresh and when not to in order to preserve battery life. That thing has been a tremendous battery performer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other stuff in here, astrophotography capabilities, stronger MagSafe. I did not know there was quite a complaint going on about the strength of MagSafe and people's expectations versus reality when it comes to certain mounts and working through cases and things like this. Uh, apparently, there there are some complaints out there that people want more mag or mag power. Mm. Is that a different product? Is that a different product, mag power? I think it might be. <laughs> but, uh, but the one that stood out to me, by the way, this leak coming, well, I'm reading it on Mac Rumors, but it turns out that it's our pal Max Weinbach who... Shout out. Put this out into the world. Is around a new finish, a new color, and a new texture for the backside of the upcoming iPhone, the iPhone 13. He claims it will have a grippier, more comfortable feeling with a new matte black finish on the back. Similar to that of the previous Google Pixel series. You know that kind of like grainy? Oh, so it's not perfectly smooth. Yeah. It has like a texture. I'm I'm surprised by this. You think Apple would do something like that? Why not? Give them uh, some options, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I find that one a little bit hard to believe. I think them working on their black color makes sense. You saw what Samsung did with their their new black color. They put out that whole video about how serious they were about the color black. And then they called it phantom black. And he says the blackest black, the best of the blacks, the only black that matters. Yeah. I don't know if you recall, they did a whole, speaking of S21 Ultra, already on sale on Amazon. There's some deals you can find, some hot deals, but. I don't know if that's that's from Samsung directly. Anyway, getting sidetracked with the price here. Yes, untold stories. S twenty one Ultra Phantom Black. Where are they? Very Iceland. Otherworldly. Yeah, they were in Iceland, for sure. They're looking at all that volcanic rock. Talking about black colors, yeah. pigments. Art. Anyway, so I do th- I do think that Apple needs to rework their play on the black because. The current generation model. Do I have one here? It's kind of comes out more grayish. Yeah. Is it? It kind of comes out more grayish. See that? Oh, I don't know yeah. If you That's can... not black. No, I don't even think. Do they even call it black? No, they don't. They don't really have a black model. I haven't had a real black model in a long time. So I agree. It's a good idea. I think if they had their own phantom black scenario, that would be nice. But. Maybe this new new texture lets them go even blacker. Mm. I don't know if they end up doing it, but that's the rumor for the time being. And you know, we can't be we can't go too long, well, without talking about the next iPhone. You can't. There's no lapse. Like you're not allowed to. 
No. No. It's, it's happening. It's always happening every day. Uh, iPhone 13. You know what hasn't happened yet, or maybe it has, but the rumors for two versions in front, that's the true enthusiast. Mm. They're like, they're already working on the rumors around iPhone 14, never mind the 13. Uh-huh. Those are the, that's the high level guys. Uh-huh. Who's that guy on Twitter? Uh, I'd love to dream or something with the, like the cryptic tweet. Oh, yeah. It would just be like, uh, I don't remember the tweet. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like a one sentence. Yeah. Speculation. And it relates to the iPhone 20. iPhone 20, exactly. Yeah. It would just be like iPhone rocket ship Mars. Like that would be mm-hmm. the thing, and you'd be like, "What is the correlation here?" And well, that makes sense. And and you just have to wait so long that it may or may not come true. Uh-huh. And this is, you can't hold that person accountable. It's too futuristic. It's uh-huh. too far in advance. You'll be dead. Oh, me, all of us. Uh. Today's sponsor, Audible. Now you know I've been an Audible user for a very long time. Audible truly lets me stay involved with books through the form of audiobooks because otherwise I wouldn't find a time. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. I would not find a time. It's very Looking convenient. At words. No, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. but it's also just the formula of my life, the formatting uh-huh. of my life currently. It's, you can't be uh, sitting down on a chair yeah. or a couch. Beside a fireplace? No. On a row. It doesn't robe. exist in my life. No. However, I do have to go places still, and I end up in a vehicle, I end up in a car, and I get to chip away at some of these titles, at some of these books, and I get a chance to get, you know, into the stuff that uh, it, I can't fit it in elsewhere, whether we're talking about uh, philosophy books or history books, things like that. You know what I'm into, mm-hmm. stuff I'm into. And uh, so I really think it's a valuable asset to have. And it also, the way the subscription works is it kind of encourages you to, uh, to, to, to stay with it, to, to sample titles you may not have previously engaged with. Because the way that it works is, as an Audible member, you get one credit every month, which is good for any t- title in the entire premium selection. So it could be a bestseller, it could be a new release. It could be a celebrity memoir. I know that's what you're mostly into, Willie Do. Mm. And it's yours to keep forever after that point, after that credit. Oh, Sapiens. That's in my... Is that just one of their examples? Cause that's yeah, in, I just chose it. It's oh, you book. chose it. Yeah. Yeah, I have that in my library. Oh. It's in my library. You keep it now. I keep it in my yeah. library. It's on the shelf in my audio book library oh. on Audible. Now... It's not just audiobooks, actually. They've added a lot of stuff from, you know, comedy to, to uh, podcasts and things like that. It's a lot of variety of audio content available to you through Audible. And you get to try Audible for 30 days. So you nice. get to see uh, how you like it, if you're into it. And it's a lot of features within the audiobook settings, too, to find a, the pace that you like to mm-hmm. it. As well, it's another thing. Never mind just driving, but around the house too. You may run out of podcasts at some point. You may run out of Lou later at some point. Yeah, and you'll be amazed. You can kind of interchange the audiobooks with the podcasts and feel like you're uh, learning something. It's kind of nice. Uh, here's the important part. Now is the best time to try Audible because you're getting one of the best offers of the year. Listen to this: nine ninety-five a month for your first six months. I mean, you'll be paying a lot more to be purchasing these books individually. $9.95 a month for the first six months. In addition to accessing one title from our premium selection, you can download and stream thousands of all-you-can-listen audiobooks, originals, and podcasts for less than the regular membership. What do you have to do? You have to visit audible.com slash later or text later to 500-500. Once again, visit audible.com slash later or text later, no space, to 500-500. Or you can just click the link down in the description if that's easier for you for your 30-day free trial. It's audible.com. Thank you very much for sponsoring Lou Later. 
Apple will be sticking with Intel after all. Huh? Yeah, they're done. They said, you know, this M1 stuff's too hard, man. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, good for them. <laughs> That's not true, obviously. They are going to be sticking with Intel for at least one Mac. We knew this. We knew this because of it's the... It's just like a transfer of uh, power? Well, it's because of the Pro model. It's because of the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro with the Xeon, with the server-grade stuff, compatibility stuff, Pro applications. God knows the type of applications people are throwing at Mac Pros. And we saw the rumor previously that Apple would have a Pro product, potentially a shrunken Mac Pro that would move to the M1 stuff, but then they may keep the modular larger Mac Pro where you can swap graphics, the current form factor, and leave Intel in there. Mm. And I presume it's strictly a compatibility play. Right. And we spoke about in the past, it was a question around whether it was going to be true or not. It, oh, this is where I read Love to Dream. It was Love to Dream who suggested back in November. I wonder what his tweet was. See, now we, I feel like we got to just clear it up. Okay, sure. We got to clear it up a little bit. But that was back in November 2020. And now we have uh, corroboration from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman that the new model with an Intel processor will be a Mac Pro. Is this Love to Dream's Twitter account? Look at that beauty right there. Look at that. Get up, man. Happy New Year. Ultraman? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what was this? Like, or when was the tweet? November. Oh, November. Yeah, you don't have to go find it. It's okay, all right, well. Will. It's all right, dude. This is uh, quite a journey here. I'm just happy to get on the Twitter page. Shout out Love yeah. to Dream. Good stuff. Anyway. Great content. So Bloomberg or uh yeah, Bloomberg approves of the speculation that Intel will stick around a little bit, which is kind of funny because we were talking in the previous episode how about Intel was taking shots at Apple. How they were saying don't buy a Mac. Well, I suppose they could make the 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 concession if it was a Mac Pro you were buying. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, you could get that one. Yeah, wait a second. You get that one. That one's fine with us. But all the other ones. So it's 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 funny in these relationships how in intertwined and entangled the entire technology segment is that even when you're taking shots at one another you still may be the customer or the supplier for maybe in a smaller way than you previously but you still interact yeah. or i mean the famous one is samsung and apple taking shots at one another and meanwhile apple's buying the displays from samsung right. and things like this so yeah this kind of stuff goes on but uh, it looks like intel's gonna hang around with an apple badge on top of it for a little bit longer uh now, this next article, Apple, uh, oh, what do you got there? I don't have that article. <laughs> this is not the article. Redesigned MacBooks. We talked about that on a previous episode. Oh. Go to the Financial Times article up top. There you go. This one? Okay. Yeah, I see that you're not signed in oh, there. Oh, really, boy. Dude. We do have a subscription. Okay, hold we on. We have a subscription, so you can go ahead and sign in, man. It's Look, it's even saved. Sick. That's useful. Anyway, uh, we're talking about Nissan and the Apple car because there was the whole thing with the Korean automakers. There's the whole thing with Hyundai and uh, Kia yeah. and Georgia and making a vehicle in the United States. And then they were like, nah, we're not talking to each other. And then it turned into like a pride thing, it felt like, where it was like, you know, we ain't Foxconn. We're Hyundai. Mm-hmm. We make our own, like, check out our upcoming platform. We want to come, we're here to compete. Uh-huh. Don't put your badge near our stuff. Like, we'll collab. We'll put an X. Like, we got BTS the other day. Or no, did they get BTS or they got the other one? Was it Blackpink? I don't know who they got. Yeah. I think it's BTS. Right? Well, they'll put the X, but they're not going to, like, ionic. let you completely remove their badge. That's my feeling on the matter. Like, I know... Obviously, these types of conversations and negotiations are mostly private, but these are well-established brands. And I'm not saying it's the right move. You may want to be on this Apple juice. Yeah, didn't their stocks go down? As they would. Yeah. They could go up and down with that Apple badge. 
-hmm. it's a lot of it's a lot of heat on that logo as you're well aware but it's complicated because you you start to get worried somebody's about to eat your lunch and you know i like to eat my lunch sure so we do you do. yeah so do you i've yeah. seen it happen before Right yeah, there, right that, that, yeah, I've yeah. seen it happen before. It's, uh, it's a great time. I've seen you head over to TNT and come back with a platter. Uh huh. I've seen it. Yeah, and it, it's happy right here. You don't want it. You you don't even want Otis to get a piece of that. No, no, no sharing. So these companies, they start to worry. Like, what is your real game plan? You're gonna piggyback this thing and then cut us out. Mm -hmm. It's like remember the movie Blow. Yeah. Yeah, you're movie. gonna yeah you're gonna get to this point and cut us out. Uh huh. Can't have that. Kia's on an island. Exactly. Yeah. So they moved on from from the Korean automakers and they started a chat in Japan. They just started to have a chat in Japan. I don't know why I like that idea. <laughs> a chat in Japan. I like that idea, you know? It sounds like a special a special interview or something. Yeah. Uh, a chat in Japan yeah. with PBS NewsHour or something. Anyway, uh, then the stocks, as you mentioned, for the Japanese automakers, they, they boom. They start booming. People say, oh, they're going to do it. Yep. Mitsubishi's going to do it. They got the, they, Subaru's going to do it. No, 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 no. Nissan's going to do it. Uh -huh. And so the latest one with the Nissan, as you have up here, the, the uh, report, Apple approached Nissan in the recent month for the secretive autonomous car project. But now those talks are apparently squashed as well as the discussions didn't even advance to senior management levels following divisions over branding for the iPhone makers electric vehicles. So you can't even get a senior level at Nissan, you're Apple. Get out of here. I don't believe that. Okay, fine. Maybe I do. But I feel like the senior dude could have come for the chat. Yeah, at the very least. I mean, if I was the know? senior dude, I'd want to hear the chat personally. Yeah. But you never know, man. These dudes are so senior. They're like, no, no, you go here to chat. You come back and tell me I'm senior. I'm over here. So yeah. you go have the And somebody else had the chat. But it, And then it has to advance and get through to different thresholds. But I just would have thought you pick up the phone if it's Apple. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the sentiment here seems to indicate. It seems to, it seems to me. Now, it could all be smoke and mirrors. But it seems to me it's a little tougher for Apple to find a partner than they may have originally imagined. Mm -hmm. That some of these brands are approaching, they expect to just, uh, you know, roll out the red carpet. And they're sitting there saying, no, no, we've been making cars for a bit. Mm -hmm. We're pretty proud of that badge we got there. And we're not going to be the Apple car maker over off in the background and be invisible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just speculating, well, yeah. that there could be some apprehension around it. There's some pride with this thing. Yeah. It seems like all automakers have some sort of pride making their own vehicles, which isn't a bad thing. Could be in the long run. Sometimes oh. that pride can get in your way. Is that a quote? I don't know. I'm sure many I feel people... like it is from a movie. I'm sure people have said it before. Yeah. Oh, no. You're thinking of a different quote. You're thinking of... Uh... Oh. Yeah, uh, it's with an expletive. Fiction. It's with an expletive. It's yeah. with, a, with, yeah, yeah. with a swear. Yeah. With a swear in there. That, that's that pride effing with you. Yeah. You see, it's a family show. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about, Bruce, talking about Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah, it will. It will sometimes. Bruce like, Willis, yeah. you might be missing out on a huge deal. And who knows what the future looks like in a competitive industry. But you can't, you can, you, you can empathize with having built a brand, uh, competed with a brand, feeling passionate about a brand, and then having these proposals that appear to potentially diminish uh -huh. that brand. I mean, yeah, we can we can feel that. Whether it's the right or wrong move, well, time will tell as usual. Mm -hmm. But what this does bring up, Willie Do, is the original speculation around Magna just doing it. Because yeah. now you have a company that isn't even trying to be that. They're not even trying to slap their badge on it. They love being in the background. Uh -huh. They love being the Foxconn. They love being invisible. They're like, what you need made? What you need, boss? Let's go. We'll fill it out. We'll count those dollars. We don't mind. You know? Yeah. And they're in the backyard. Yeah. Just, just around right the there. corner. So yeah. now they got to come back into question. because, And you see their stock price. I don't know. Take a look at it. it might be up a little bit. 
Maybe all of a sudden these uh, reports out of Japan. Oh, look at that. Maybe these reports out of Japan, I don't know. It's up a little bit. Give me a one month. Give me a six month on it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. So there's a lot going on here. It's a ton of opportunity. I'm curious to see how it all maps out, but mm. I can see it from both sides. Uh, here's a new device from Samsung, a 7,000 milliamp hour mid-range phone. How about that wow. for, a, for a marketing spec? It's an interesting one. It's so much about cameras and refresh rates lately as far as how to market a phone. But you kind of wonder sometimes about the features that really matter to absolutely everyone. And you start mm -hmm. to think about battery life. Because this is one of those ones, particularly at the mid-range, that uh, I mean, could be a real differentiator. 7,000 milliamp hour on a mid-range phone could supply you with some astronomical battery life figures. Mm -hmm. I mean, multi-day type situations, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. It's kind of the dream, a multi-day smartphone charge. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, well, likely to do with the fact that our phones have to be so slender all the time. Yeah. We haven't seen a huge increase in battery capacity over the last little while. But here's an example of a mid-range target where they say, okay, it's not gonna have the latest processor. Okay, it's not gonna have a bunch of other uh, flagship specifications at the mid-range price point, but what if we just give it a big battery? Let's see what happens. Well, that's the case here with the Galaxy F62. 7,000 milliamp hour battery. Uh, it's going to have an older chip in it, an Exynos 9825, which was previously used in the Galaxy Note 10. So it's a few generation old chip, but it was a flagship chip at one point. Uh, some other specifications on here. Six or eight gigs of RAM, 128 storage, and a micro SD card slot. But that headline feature is this enormous battery. Now, unfortunately for you, Willie Do, it mm. is going to be an India release February 22nd for around $330. I say unfortunately for you because it's gonna to be tough for you to get your hands on one. No. However, the A series may follow suit with a similar spec sheet and that might be available to you at a later date. Oh yeah. But how about that for an option? A 7,000 milliamp hour smartphone for around the equivalent 30, 330 bucks USD. That's great. I got yeah. a little Stadia update for you. You know, we had the sad news. They were shutting down their studios, remember? They were, they, were, they were shutting down their own, at least their own game development. Yeah. Which was announced. It was a very optimistic time The time when, at, at the time. Was COVID even a thing when Stadia? I'm trying to think they were on stage. No, it wasn't. I believe it was like October or November. Uh, of 2019? 2019, yeah. So that was just before? I think so. Wow. So Stadia ruined everything. <laughs> of it course, was the beginning of the end. Of course, I'm joking, but it was super optimistic. They're like, yeah, you're going to stream games. It's AAA, and we're doing our own games, and we bought these studios or whatever, and you're just like, holy cow, Google's yeah, they're doing something. coming at the gaming thing from every angle. Well, then they came out recently and said, oh, yeah, uh, the studio thing is hard, you know, yeah. with the coding and whatnot. Mm. and the work hours and i mean how often do you hear a news story about disgruntled developers or subpar life experiences and you yeah. sit there and you think wow maybe actually google doesn't want to be directly affiliated with what is really a tough grind mm -hmm. of what is really not the most glamorous thing when you lift the curtain yes which is often the case with hard work in general. Yep. Is that you lift a, you 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 pull back the curtain and you're like, damn, I never knew that. That was so hard. Yeah, who no, knew, right? No, I'm saying like people on the outside, they just see the finished product and then they go on Twitter and they're like, hee hee, uh -huh. <laughs> you suck. Your game sucks. Yeah. And you suck. Yeah. And I'm amazing. And you're just like, well, what did you do? You know, you just played the game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's like the customer is always right type of thing, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. That's like 
you're at the restaurant and the person is, is just being so picky next to you. Uh-huh. And it totally spoils your experience because this person is just like nitpicking everything about it. Yeah. And you're like, just make it on your own then. Yeah. Like, really. Go try it out, you know? Make it yourself. Make it on your own. Yeah. Well, for both reasons. I don't know if I can tell the people complaining about video games to make their own. That's kind of funny, actually. Mm-hmm. Goes to show you how tough, the, how tough the task actually happens to be. But I'm just saying. But I'm everyone's to, a critic. I'm trying to live from a place of appreci- appreciation. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Whenever I can, mm-hmm. say, "Wow, that's amazing." Anyway, Google, Google obviously figured out. As far as the Stadia stuff was concerned, they wanted to take a slightly different approach. They closed down the development studios. But they're not done. They announced plans for 100 games this year. And they're kind of just, I guess, shifting their focus and their resources to try to attack this thing. Uh, Some of those titles, FIFA 21, Judgment, and Shantae Half Genie Hero will be making their way to the streaming platform. Uh, Obviously, 100 games is a lot more than that. But those are some titles you may have heard of. I watched a couple. Actually, if you click on the... Uh, it, th- this was announced via their community blog, and I watched some of the trailers. The Judgment one looked kind of cool. Google Stadia boss Phil Harrison spoke about the decision to close their first-party efforts on the corporate blog as well. Here's here We'll read a quote. We launched Stadia with the goal of making your favorite games instantly available wherever you want to play them. With the recent successful launch of Cyberpunk 2077 on Stadia Gameplay, on all types of devices, including iOS, growing our slate of YouTube integrations and our global expansions, it's clear that Stadia's technology has been proven and it works at scale. Having games streamed to any screen is the future of the industry and we'll continue to invest Stadia and its underlying platform to provide the best cloud gaming experience for our partners and the gaming community. This has been the vision of Stadia since the beginning. So, kind of saying, we're not done here. We're just shifting. Mm-hmm. We're not done here. We believe we did something. I believe they did something, particularly around the cyberpunk situation, which was actually what made the game studio news kind of a little bit, not surprising, but like you, you kind of felt that they had had a recent success with some of the press and experiences coming out around cyberpunk on Stadia. Mm-hmm. But it actually appears to kind of have, have, have acted more like a, benchmark for them to say we can do that so what should we do now mm-hmm. because they took that triple a title that everyone was having difficulty with and they figured a way to create an experience that was actually playable using their technology and so they talked about potentially uh integrating better with pre-existing developers mm-hmm. for how to have stadia more native to the, to the games that could potentially utilize some of that uh some of their bandwidth, some of their expertise. So it is, it is going to be a shift, but the benchmark is good, which is a good sign. I mean, it's not, it's not a place to give up. And I do agree that for most people, for gaming in the future, it is going to be one of these scenarios. There is an appeal to the idea of instantly yes. launching into your game. There is an appeal of playing on any device that you like. Like, these things are true. Yeah. No buying a game downloading installing it's uh it's all right there and you just load it up and you start playing now it's not going to be easy to execute on the other portions got to get the titles you got to do these things but it appears that through this focus shift maybe they can do more of that and kind of simplify the mission a little bit as opposed to what they were trying to do with their own development studios so a lot of new games are coming is what i'm trying to say Uh uh-huh they're not done here yet here we have an article on Jalopnik. EV owners drive half as many miles as other drivers. It's a very uh, weird study because here you have the news coming out now, but the study was actually performed during the time period 2014 and 2017. Oh. And so immediately I'm reading, these, I'm reading this thing and I'm saying, well, first of all, the data is way out of date here. And if you try to think of an EV in 2014, it probably had trash for range. Uh-huh. So it would make sense you would drive it less. There's no road trips in there. Uh-huh. Uh, but it did. It was interesting to me because I started thinking, you know, I've got the EV myself, and I don't drive it that much, right? No. I have other cars. Yeah. And 
I wonder how many people with EVs are like that, Part particularly around the pre premium EV segment who are still using a gas car for longer trips. And the EV is more of like a collectible kind of thing? I don't know. It's, it's a, in my case, it's a performance thing. I was attracted to the Taycan because of the performance aspect and sort of actually more as an entertainment car mm -hmm. as opposed to my everyday car because I'm always lugging things and people and stuff like that. Now, I know there's obviously tons of people who are using... And, oh, the other thing about the data that's kind of screwy is that they were tracking at-home power consumption for people who owned EVs to be able to then extract from the power consumption data how much a recharge was happening, which mm -hmm. would then imply how much how, how much... How many miles were traveled mm -hmm. or kilometers but but also in the case of tesla a lot of people who would have taken a road trip would have been using the supercharger network right and that wouldn't have shown up in the data either huh. so the question the question then just becomes whether or not this is range anxiety whether or not it's real if we were to get current data whether there is still range anxiety that exists or whether or not EVs remain mostly in the premium segment for buyers who do have other vehicles that they utilize when they're putting on those more miles. As far as the study's concerned, uh, they were between 2014 and 2017, they analyzed 362,000 households, 57,290 EVs, and they estimate that 85% of EV charging occurs at home. So they're leaving open 15% for that other uh, supercharger network. And the eventual conclusion was that EVs travel 5,300 miles per year, which is under half of the U.S. fleet average. Again, between 2014 and 2017, keep that in mind. Because hmm. range has improved at a rapid pace yeah. recently. And I, you know what, I will say... With the Taycan Turbo S that I have, which is not a range champion by any means, I do my brain owning other gasoline vehicles. My brain does still say, oh, I got to go out where? I got to go out there? Okay, I'll just take the truck. Right. It does happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at the charge. It's a different... In a way, I feel it might be easier to do the full transition and completely reprogram yourself mm. to the EV lifestyle and not even have the gas-powered vehicles available. I see. Now, like cold turkey, cold turkey. Yeah, yeah. Because break the chain. not only do I have gas-powered vehicles, but I have gas-powered vehicles with enormous gas tanks. Uh-huh. Like the truck can do close to 1,000 kilometers on a, on a tank. Yeah. So you're not even at the gas. Like you just, you're used to being... Now, granted, Tesla was talking about that new Plaid Plus model, which caught my attention. What were they saying on the range? Um, they were saying some staggering figures close to what my gas-powered vehicles are capable of. And they have the more uh, laid-out supercharger network comparative to a lot of the other more recent models. 520-mile Plaid. That's the Plaid. The Plaid Plus, I think, went to 600-something. Is it? I believe so. Yeah, you got to order it. You got to you got to mock order it. Actually, for those that didn't that uh, didn't see the video, I did a video ordering this thing up. Five twenty plus miles of range estimate. Okay, what about the Plaid model? Let me just see that again. Oh, the Plaid model is three ninety. Okay, I mean it's yeah. still either either one is better than the Taycan, but the you see that huge improvement on the Plaid Plus. It's likely featuring their new battery technology, which is likely the reason it's delayed quite a bit further out than the Plaid model. So, but what is uh, if you convert the five twenty miles to kilometers, what do we get? Because then I I can compare it more quickly. By the way, the show takes place in Canada, and the metric system exists here. For those that are in the U.S. that are like, what is this kilometer thing he's talking about? Like, that's no joke. If they deliver that, that's my truck. Yeah, that's if pretty insane. that Plaid Plus does that range, that's my truck. And that's a game changer. Yeah. Are you ever uh, worried about cold weather? Mm. They do factor that in. Yeah. You're going to see a slight diminishment for the cold weather driving. But are you worried about it? No.
No. no, because it's not significant enough. I mean, if you're dealing with that much range to start, I don't know what they said to cold weather. That was like 80, 85%. Yeah, that's still fine. Yeah. It's a lot of... Do you know the range on your car? No. Really? You don't know how many I kilometers don't. you get per tank? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, prob I don't know. it's probably fa fairly fuel efficient, but I don't think the it's tank is... It's a light is, car. But I don't think the tank is huge either. No. No, no. Maybe you might only you might maybe? get six hundred kilometers. Five hundred uh, five hundred, six hundred? I would say less. Oh really? Driving back and forth here. Yeah, it's probably less. Maybe five hundred. Five hundred kilometers? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, what are we doing? We're tracking Willie Do's uh commute over here. It's a long commute. We'll see how this goes into the future. It doesn't seem to matter that much because it's obvious at this point that the EV thing is happening. All the major automakers making huge commitments. Jaguar, I believe, today said that the entire fleet's going to be electric by 2025. Mm -hmm. There's many of these claims coming out. So it's, gonna, it's going here regardless, but it was a curious headline nonetheless. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Elon Musk invited Vladimir Putin to chat on Clubhouse. Uh -huh. You saw that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a funny one. Well, I don't know. Funny. I don't know what he intends to talk about. I don't know that Putin knows what Elon Musk intends to talk about, but certainly Clubhouse doesn't mind this type of press. Everybody's talking about Clubhouse mm -hmm. all the time. Are you fed up yet? Are you still? Uh, no, I. You're okay. I with still it? enjoy the banter. I think Clubhouse got like five million downloads or something. I mean, it's the hot social media. Invite only too. You had Elon interviewing the Robin Hood guy over there. Um, I don't know. What were the other famous clubhouse moments? It's just a lot of people chatting. Yeah. A lot of people with check marks on Twitter that are chatting. It's yeah. Like, That's really important. Those people are chatting. I'm going to go join the club. Have you tried it? Like for two seconds. Oh. Why does it sound like I'm hating on clubhouse? You know what? I'm not at all. I, I like new social media players. Sure, I'm not but. hating at all. I think it's more just... Uh, having to add another social media like i understand that the developers have done work here i like the idea of it will mm -hmm. it's fun but it also feels like a feature that can quickly be added to other social media i think twitter already started and facebook said they're working on it so then i'm like okay i got this other profile and and i i hate to be the guy to discourage innovation like i totally feel like this is their idea and they should benefit from it but it's so much social media that's out there already. I'm like, I'll wait for Twitter to add it. Yeah. <laughs> what is Twitter calling it? Spaces. Space. Twitter spaces. It's a terrible attitude, actually. No, screw it. Go to Clubhouse. Go use it right now. This episode is brought to you by Clubhouse. Okay. And you're going to give out all the invites, right? <laughs> I don't know. How many invites do I have? Yeah, I, 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 probably, <laughs> I probably have a lot of invites now. Do you? I didn't even look. Do you want one? I'll send you an invite. Sure. I don't yeah, um, anyway, uh, actually, I should shout out who sent me the invite. Humble the Poet, do you know him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he sent me the invite. Shout out to him. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Musk goes on Twitter and says, I want to have a clubhouse chat with Vladimir Putin. And then he does a translation in Russian as well, where, where he says, or not a translation, he does a tweet in Russian that... That translated says it would be a great honor to speak with you. And the cool part here is it looks like Putin is so, kind of interested, oh, which yeah. I like. Because it could just be, well, it could be a wild ride. Russia hasn't ruled out the idea of Vladimir Putin talking to Tesla billionaire Elon Musk on the social media app Clubhouse, according to multiple media reports. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov on Monday told reporters that the proposal was interesting oh you see how i paused before the word uh-huh that's how you know it's really it's in quotes in the article but more details were needed here's what he said first we want to figure out you know that president putin does not directly use social networks he personally does not run them so basically he's not a social media guy well how many uh followers does he have but he's not running it this at uh, uh, Kremlin Russia underscore E, which is labeled the president of Russia, he doesn't run it. Yeah. Somebody's running it on his behalf. So, which is why the, uh, 
what 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 was what were we calling them? The spokesperson says we got to figure out if he's even into it because he does not a big social media guy. In general, this is a very interesting proposal, but one must first understand what is meant and what is proposed. They're like, "Look, man, more details, please. We'll take the we'll take the press." Like, well, obviously, a lot of people are going to be interested in what takes place and transpires in that particular interview, in that mm-hmm. particular conversation, which is probably why Elon's interested. I mean, it. I mean, it feels cool. You just mm-hmm. quickly jump on Clubhouse with Putin. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I guess that's why it's cool. Yeah. Or interesting. But he needs to know more details. You can't, I suppose, if you're Putin or Putin's people, you can't just throw him in there like that. He needs to know probably exactly what's going to transpire top maybe even topic of conversation i don't know it's that response is not that promising it's like okay it's possible but it's probably not gonna happen yeah based on that response but anyway elon he's just he's just flying on twitter Mm -hmm. whether it's the kremlin or dogecoin yeah he's uh dipping into so many segments now speaking of dogecoin he says he'll support sales by top dogecoin holders this is the problem with doge well you do i hate to break it to you man yeah what's that i just hate to spoil something that has been a lot of fun for you as well elon has uh, well the price has dipped substantially because of that tweet and other factors it let me let me see a let me see a one week on it yeah let me see a one month on it yeah i mean it's still up it's still up. Mm-hmm. But this latest tweet was a little bit bearish. So if it was a stock, that's what yeah. you, you know. Yeah. Bearish, bullish. Lingo. Lingo time. Here's the tweet. If major Dogecoin holders sell most of their coins, it will get my full support. Too much concentration is the only real issue. I-M-O. The only real issue. See, he loves Doge. He loves it so much. Maybe he's got billions, but he loves it so much that he's willing to offer his full support if certain criteria Mm. is met. He did a follow-up tweet in which he said, I'll give you cash just Mm. to leave your position, just just to bail, just to get out. So he really believes in this. Well, I think he, I mean, the hype is there. Right, the the activity is happening, so the so the value has been generated. But then you got this problem, and maybe he feels somewhat guilty that he's pushed people towards an asset that is inherently volatile because of those whales that exist. Mm. See the if you click over, I think I gave you the next tab. If you click over to the next tab, at least the indication here analysis of doge if you scroll down to concentration a little bit a little bit further a little bit further oh wait you went too far back up token summary what why is it on yours refresh this page sir now scroll down there we go token summary look at where it says concentration by large holders you see that figure right there That's 67%, my friend. Hmm. Click on the little eye icon over there. The total holdings of whales, that's addresses that own more than 1% of the circulating supply, and investors, addresses that own between 0.1% and 1% of the circulating supply. The whales are 67% of the entire thing. Hmm. You see, that's a problem. If you were to compare that to Bitcoin, for example, I think Bitcoin is around 10% concentration of large holders. You can click on it so that we can be sure that I'm not misquoting that. So if this analysis is correct, yeah, 10%. If this analysis is correct, that's a huge volatility signal. I mean, we can't be surprised here. It is Dogecoin. How do you know it's not 60% of Elon's money? You don't. Yeah. But then, but then why the tweet? Yeah. Right? He's trying to get people out of it. He would just be laughing away and keep tweeting Doge to the moon if he's the whale. Hmm. Right? He, it seems to me 
it's almost more philosophical for him where could he even tweet that whale, the whale tweet if he's the whale? I mean, that's heavy. Yeah. It's possible, but it's kind of heavy. So anyway, the, the, the price dipped a little bit as a consequence of that tweet, at least when it went out. But it started to climb back up when he said he would pay people to exit those positions. Right. We'll see what takes place. I don't know about the future of Doge, but it has been somewhat resilient. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It has been somewhat resilient. Now, sticking on the Elon topic just for about five more seconds, the big short investor, Michael Burry, who seems to make headlines here and there, he was chatting around a GME moment, if you recall. Yep. And uh, he had actually switched his position on GME, kind of predicting what was about to take place. He had huh. He previously had a... Heavy short position on GME, which he exited because he felt that the uh, the bets against them were growing too too vast. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's been uh, he's been short Tesla stock for a long time, and he's now stating that Tesla stock could plunge ninety percent without a major fallout, financial crisis type situation to the whole market. He believes obviously that the stock is overvalued. Uh, Tesla below here. I, I think this was in t on Twitter as well that he stated this. Tesla below $100 a share by later this year will not crash the system. There is no reflexivity in such a fall, but it would trigger the end of an era for a certain type of investing. He has been very speculative, uh, or he has criticized speculative betting on Tesla, Bitcoin, and GameStop, and he's best known for the. The housing bubble, which yep. he accurately predicted, billion-dollar bet against the U.S. housing market. He has been skeptical of Tesla since last fall. He began tweeting about the automa automaker's limited profitability and their reliance on sales of regulatory credits. All right. Which we talked about in a recent uh, episode as being one of their core business uh, attributes that mm -hmm. they have been selling to traditional automakers, these credits for actually a tremendous amount of money. Billions? How, billions. However, now that the auto, other automakers will, are moving so rapidly towards their own electric vehicles and uh, presumably their very own regulatory credits, in which case they will no longer be buyers of regulatory credits, mm -hmm. then you start to wonder, oh, damn, that... What is the risk to profitability if the market for those credits diminishes at this rapid pace that it appears the auto sector as a whole is moving uh -huh. towards acquiring their own their own regulatory credits? Anyway, that's what he p points out. Uh, he calls the current stock price ridiculous and uh, thinks yeah thinks they're going to have difficulty with profitability going forward. Look, I don't know. I think Elon even famously came out himself and said the stock price was overvalued. It didn't seem to matter. Right. People want to be associated with the brand. People want to be associated with the company. And as we've learned, I, mean, I presume what he's saying, this type of investing, he's including the Doge and the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. GameStop and the uh, Robin Hood type thing. He is... Like rocket fuel... Whatever. The, the rocket emoji. Yeah. That's what he's shorting. He's shorting the rocket emoji, saying you're all nuts. Uh-huh. The question of whether or not everyone is nuts or not is, is really a question of time. Can yeah. it be sustained? And for how long? And what do his bets actually look like? But how long can he hold on to those positions? Mm -hmm. Can Tesla can continue, to, continue to run on rocket fuel? Mm. <laughs> Figured literally and figuratively, yeah. at least tell, with right? SpaceX. Yeah. Uh, oh, this was interesting. Remember, we were reporting on the fact that you couldn't find Jack Ma for a while. You can yeah. scroll up. I don't know. The link that I sent you sent you halfway through the article. Oh. You can scroll to the very top. So he, so you couldn't find Jack Ma for a while because he had, uh, well, he had a little mix up there with the government over that IPO, the financial products, and, and whatever, all these factors. 
So he kind of took some time off or at least played it low key. People thought he was missing. Yeah, they thought he was missing for a bit. Anyway, he's been spending a lot of time in this region of China, south part of China, which they call the Hawaii of China. And we talked about it when we had Vin over here because he's been there before. And I was always curious about it because I was like, what do you mean you got a Hawaii in China? No one ever talks about that. Well, that's where Jack Ma's apparently been hanging out. And he's been golfing and he's still laying low. Like, oh. yes, he came, he, he made a public appearance. He was on a video chat, but he's still been laying low. Hmm. And uh, anyway, I thought it was interesting to take a look at where he has been laying low. An inside look at Hainan, the Hawaii of China. He's been staying at a five-star resort re for recent weeks. This place called the Hawaii of China, the city that has most of the features, the resort features called Sanya, surfing, luxury shopping, and yachting, popular activities. Mm. Now, geographically, if you're wondering where this is, Will, you can scroll down. There is a map, which, look, look at the water over there. I mean, it really oh, does. Yeah. They got all the hotels. It's great. They got all the hotels, apparently, and they'll even let you visit, Will, without a visa. Really? To try to encourage tourism to this region. Oh. They're making it easy on you, the Chinese government. Did you get to the map? Did you scroll right past the map? Uh, no. You did, it's Will. A... It was the second, it's the second picture. Man. One more. What? You didn't get the map. It should I'm be after this to... one. Whoa, you didn't get the map. Anyway, yeah, well, I'll, I'll look for it. you're reloading. It is China's smallest and southernmost province made up of more than 200 islands. Damn. Business Insider, or, yeah, Business Insider broke. Sure. Or got rid of their map. Anyway, they've got, uh, yeah, a lot of luxury hotels. I don't know. I think there's like a Four Seasons. And in 2018, the Chinese president designated Hainan as China, China's largest free trade zone and introduced new subsidized housing and fast-track work visas to attract new residents. The government announced in 2018 that Americans could visit for up to 30 days without a visa. I presume Canadians might be included in the same thing. Anyway, that's where... It's made up island. Yeah, it's made up of cool. a bunch of islands. You can see the big island there. And, uh, yeah, you're actually quite far south there, even though you're in China. Uh -huh. You know, you scroll out and you look over to the east and you see you're further south than Vietnam. Uh -huh. Or you're right, you're right, uh, sort of right, right around Vietnam area there. That's hot stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're almost you're almost the same as the Philippines over there. And yeah. I've been to look when I'm in Hong Kong, I'm dying, I'm sweating. Yeah. When I'm in Hong Kong, I'm looking for ice water. Yes. Maybe more Shenzhen than than Hong Kong, but I'm looking for ice water yeah. when I'm there in the summer. But anyway, this particular region apparently popular with those that live in the north part of China, and then the winter hits and they head over there, like some kind of Florida type situation. And also Russians, so much so that a lot of the menus have the Russian language on there as well because the Russians like to go and vacation down there as well. Nice. So anyway, I'm just, I don't know why this uh, was interesting to me. But if, you want, if you're looking for Jack Ma, where he's at. All right, Will, I don't know how, you might have some feelings about this one. How about a McDonald's burger made by a Michelin star chef? Huh. How about... Rather than a celebrity partnership with Travis Scott, how about you partner with the Michelin chef in Denmark and you put together, by the way, chef by the name of Paul Cunningham, the country's most renowned culinary genius. I don't know how they know it's the most. Anyway, he made a high-end burger for the chain's latest limited time offer. And it ended up selling out in just a few weeks due to its overwhelming popularity. All right, now let me read this burger to you. You tell me what's going on, all right? Okay. Here's what the burger is. It's called the Home Style Bernays. You have a beef patty layered with Bernays sauce, potato sticks, smoked onion puree, puree, roasted onions, lettuce, and cheddar cheese served atop a brioche bun. Break it mm. down, Willie Duke. Well, just judging by this image here, it looks pretty delicious mm. it looks uh hearty break it down will he do 
and uh, Bernays sauce. What is that again? You is, put that on the like eggs, Benedict. Uh, oh, wait, that's Hollandaise. Yeah, what is... Oh, no, Bernays, you have it with a steak. Have you ever been to, like, Roots, Chris? Right, is it? It's a creamy Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's a creamy sauce on the side that you normally eat with I know beef. what it is. Normally a steak. Now, I yeah. don't know if he... Does he mod the patty as well? Well, it's a brioche. No, no, no the sure patty, the, the, the beef patty. Oh, the Like, patty. does he mod the seasoning... Uh, it looks thicker than a typical McDonald's patty. Right. Or is it just a quarter pound patty and then he's responsible for the toppings? Yeah, that would be kind of depressing if uh, he didn't modify it. I mean, I assume he modified it. Okay, Bernays sauce. It's a child of Hollandaise. One of the so-called mother sauces of French cuisine. Hollandaise. It is simply an emulsification, egg yolks and butter cut through with vinegar flavored with tarragon and shallots and a bite of black pepper. There's your Bernays for you, Willie B. Um, yeah, I'd totally be down. How much is it? Okay, you'll be down, but I don't know the price, but I'll tell you the problem over here. Some people are very upset. This guy's peers are like, how dare you? You're about right. to find cuisine. You can't collab with McDonald's. Listen to this. It's drawn controversy. According to Rob Report, acclaimed chef Christian... Puglisi has characterized Cunningham's partnership with McDonald's as a betrayal of values. You cannot participate in symposiums. You cannot talk about quality produce. You cannot discuss and try to communicate cooking culture, traditional dishes, and homey cooking on one hand, and on the other hand, be an advocate for the worst garbage that is produced and called food at the same time. This was on an Instagram post. Okay. Well, I would say why not? Like, wouldn't this be a challenge for a chef? Oh, Willie Doo's upset. To, you know, oh, this guy just upset bring in culinary arts to <sighs> McDonald's. I never saw you like this, Willie <laughs> You're going head to head. I would, with, I would give him mad respects for that. You're going head to head with Puglisi right now. I feel like that guy knows food. I don't want to go head to head with him. Okay, well, you're going. You, you, you can come in. talk to me on Clubhouse. <laughs> we'll have a chat, you know? No, I know. I hear your point. I think you make it a point either way. Yeah. You could say, look, maybe somebody eats that McDonald's burger who's never tried a finer, more quality type of cuisine for uh -huh. whatever reason. It never worked out for them. Uh -huh. Then they try that. They're like, who's the collab? Then they go down the rabbit hole and all of a sudden they're experimenting with more flavors and foods and yeah. ingredients that are yeah. sourced a different way. And that's a pot you can make that argument uh -huh. on the flip side what this guy's trying to say is no because you're making more sales for mcdonald's and you're taking the eyeball off of us who in the restaurant business are dying right now the chains yes. are doing okay yeah the big dogs are eating yeah maybe this is ill-timed during covid you okay. know okay but uh this this is actually could be like a good shot. Hey like man, I'm just saying both sides. Chefs and then I'm just saying I'm just food. saying both sides. Yeah. See my hands, they're up. I'm just saying I both see sides. Them. Both of them. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, beef with uh, Puglisi. You are not me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about a feel good moment, Willie? Do baby born deaf giggles and dances after hearing music for the very first time. Mm. Following surgery, these, of course, are cochlear implants. And it's an amazing, amazing technological uh, device, advancement. And this one actually has personal relevance because when my second son was born, they actually wondered if he was deaf mm. because he had fluid in his ears. And we had to go for secondary maybe even a third, no, two two hearing tests in the hospital They say he can't hear anything. Oh. Because they put the beeps in the ears and then... And no uh, response kind of thing? And then they look for a response. And uh, it's how they gauge. They need to figure it out quickly because they're doing so much development with the speech and everything else and they got to come up with a game plan if, uh, if there's no hearing there. And so the first test... Yeah, no hearing. Second test, no hearing. And they're like, you know what? Do one a little bit later and see what transpires. It's okay for right now. Like, there's nothing you could do for right now. Mm -hmm. 
So then he had a, went to a, some sort of specialty location, did the third test, which was probably a week later or something. I can't remember. And they're like, oh, yeah, he hears. Yeah, he probably oh. had fluid. He had probably had fluid in his ears or whatever. What a relief. So I'm not trying to say I'm on the same level. I'm not trying. I'm just saying that I had a little brush with it. And it was it made me start to think about this kind of thing. Yeah. And for individuals who were going through something similar. So I see this type of article. Maybe it maybe it stands out to me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But anyway, here we have a baby. Uh, how old is this baby? It doesn't actually say here. I can take a guess. I don't know. That baby's like one, maybe. Oh, 10 months. After recently being fitted with the implants, the 10-month-old bounced with joy as he got to hear the music of his favorite show called Muppet Babies for the first time. So I don't know. I think I feel like you can maybe play a little bit of the clip, maybe just keep it short here. It's coming from ABC, so I don't know what they're going to do to us, but maybe just scroll to the middle of it and give us like five seconds over here. Five seconds of feel good, but only after your Centrum commercial. Oh, yeah. Which is actually longer than the video clip. The Centrum commercial is 57 seconds. I think the video (laughs) clip is like 12 seconds. Where's that ratio? Yeah, here you go. Go to the middle. Look at this, okay? You see the cochlear implant? It's blinking on the side. The kid is like, whoa, what is that? And then bang, a little shake to it. It's almost like overwhelming a little bit too, you can tell. But then it's like, oh, "Oh, that's music. That's music. Let's go. And a smile and everything else. And so I think the mother posted this on Facebook or something. Yeah. And she said, to most people, this is just something every baby does. But to me, this is incredible. Because I guess prior to that, it wasn't witnessed previously. So that's kind of amazing stuff. The power of technology. You know, you love to see it. You love to see it when it works out like this. And when it's really, I mean, there's just one way to feel about it when you see it like that. Yeah. Joy. There it is.